a very exciting day in Toronto and a fascinating day and week and season ahead in Chicago. James Kay of the next year to talk all about it. Locked on women's basketball starts now. Ogumba Wallet for the win. You are locked on women's basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Well, hi there, everyone, and welcome to Lockdown Women's Basketball. I'm Howard Meddahl. I want to thank you for making us your first listen every day. Over 100,000 of you in April alone. Just an incredible army of support that is building for what we're doing. Really appreciate it so much. Make sure you follow us if you aren't already on YouTube or make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And it's not just me, it's the entire team over at The Next, thenextsoups.com, where we have this crazy sale going on. Already, $9 a month, $72 a year gets you over 100 reported pieces, supports the six podcasts a week we are doing, but now 27% off in honor of the 27th WNBA season. Thenextsoups.com, it goes directly to support the work being done by great journalists like James Kay, who joins me today. He's back from Toronto. He is on the Chicago Sky Beat. James, your trip to Toronto, how smooth was it getting back and forth over the border? And, you know, do you think that that's a good model for the WNBA, perhaps getting back and forth over the border? Well, one thing I just want to say, Toronto and the league just put on an incredible show for the fans out there. Um, Kudos to them for being able to put that all together. But the one thing that I talked to with the fans about, and even Kathy mentioned it was just the travel was actually just so seamless. Um, mm-hmm. It didn't take, I mean, I, honestly, I've had much more trouble traveling from Chicago to California than I've had traveling to Chicago to Toronto. So in terms of the difficulties that we, we sometimes talk about when it comes to thinking about Toronto as a potential destination for the WNBA. I actually thought it was pretty seamless, um, had no complaints. <laughs> it is great news. And so in segment one, we're going to be talking all about Toronto and that experience. Segment two, we're going to get into one of the two teams that went uh, over the border. And of course, is James's beat over at thenexthoops.com, which is the Chicago sky. But just to start and to anchor the conversation, you wrote a terrific piece about this. It's over at thenexthoops.com right now. This would be Canada's team, sights and sounds from the WNBA's first game in Canada. A quote from James Wade, the head coach and general manager, of course, of the sky. The WNBA deserves that too, referring to you guys have something special here in Toronto is where it started. And when 20,000 of you come to an exhibition game, it says a lot about your city and sports culture. You've signed of run the gamut in terms of what WNBA basketball feels like in Chicago. Everything from the title winning team in 2021, the way the city came together to some Chicago sky games that quite frankly did not draw a lot of uh, fans. And so I just, I wonder where on the spectrum, uh, and, and of course, you've covered, you know, men's sports as well in Chicago, where we've seen some big crowds. But where did this fit on the spectrum in terms of your own WNBA experiences? This reminded me of the final game of the 2021 finals. Mm-hmm. This was something where 
even talking with Kalia Copper after the game, she said, you know, it was hard to hear the players next to her on the floor because of how crazy the crowd was. And it never waned once the energy that the fans had, even from like the 300 level mm-hmm. all the way down to the ones on court side who were also going crazy. I mean, it, this felt like one of the biggest events that I've been at from a WNBA standpoint. And it was just incredible to just see everyone even showing up three hours before the game. Like mm-hmm. there are people like, like flocks of WNBA fans going into Scotiabank arena, like even before they would even see tip off, like, you know, three hours later. So yeah, I mean, this was an event. I mean, there's people that <laughs> they were traveling from even like West of Canada to come to this game. And, you know, those were the fans that I, there was, I really wish I could have had them in for my story, but they, uh, you know, they, they gave me some stuff on background about it. And it definitely, like the whole idea that this is Canada's team, like, or this would be Canada's team in Toronto, mm-hmm. you can feel it just based on the atmosphere of how create, like how, again, the, the crowd was just so energetic. And I think this was a top 10 attended WNBA game ever. So the, the energy definitely matched the attendance. It is striking, and it's both in your piece and Isabel Rodriguez over at the next two. We also had up there and wrote a terrific piece that's worth checking out that there's almost a level of confusion as to why this wouldn't have just happened already. That, um, you know, and obviously you are limited by if you don't have an ownership group that can come in and invest and spend properly that you can't move forward with a team, but just in all the other ways, just in your observations, did you see anything that would serve as a, as something that would even give pause to the league rather than having the league move forward full speed ahead, assuming ownership group here in Toronto? I came into this experience being pretty skeptical that Toronto would actually be one of the places that the WNBA would expand to given the whole international element. And I came out of it believing that there is no doubt in my mind that Toronto should have a team just based on the rabid fan base that's there. Um, again, the travel element, like I I just don't think is going to be as complicated. And I, I, I did not leave that place thinking that there was actually any reason for there not to be a team. Like if people are going to show up, one fan told me who lives two hours away from Toronto said I would get season tickets um, even like even though it's two hours away from me and there wasn't anything that like I was I was looking for hiccups I wanted the story that I wrote to be as dynamic and um, sure, of course. understand the totality of this entire thing Toronto I I couldn't find anything Toronto I mean it was really that great of an experience I mean that's all well and good to say but you know without the expertise of someone like like the U.S. ambassador to Canada, I don't feel that like you can really speak with authority about that. Did you even try to talk to him? <laughs> I did get a chance to talk with uh, the ambassador. I mean, yeah. um, so that's David Cohen. He actually has a previous relationship with Kathy. I think Kathy was the person that audited his company. Um, he was an executive at NBC Universal, and. Hmm. Yeah, they got a chance to talk even like the day before the game because Courtney Williams had an event with some younger fans. And the thing that he said, which I thought was really interesting, is that this wouldn't just be beneficial to Canada. This would be beneficial to the WNBA. And I really do believe him when he says that. I mean, when you talk about, again, this idea that this would be Canada's team, I mean, 
one fan was like, it doesn't make any sense to not have a team, like have a team here when you would have 40 million fans backing this team and even coasting off the, the high of the 2019 championship in from when the Toronto Raptors won the NBA finals and Howard, just to let you know, men do play basketball. Um, Look into that. Okay. Yeah. Definitely Google that one. Um, It definitely like, it definitely seems like it'd be beneficial, but like you also said, Coward, there needs to be an ownership group that steps up and to not just provide the financial resources, but actually want to go all in on this thing and be the ones operate, like making sure like the team operations is all there and there want, there needs to be someone who wants to run it. So I guess if you talk about complications, I think that's going to be the case for any city that wants a team that doesn't have an ownership group right there and ready, but it did seem like this was of at least the fan base made it clear that they're ready for a team and they're willing to support it. And that to me has to be one of the biggest denominators here. And again, you know, to me, yes, all of that is true, but those two sometimes in that conversation, they're treated as like independent elements, like, Oh, there's this massive fan base, but are you going to get an ownership group that's willing to invest? And to me, if you see a massive fan base that's ready to be activated, I, I've looked into this a little bit and people like money. And so if you get an ownership group that is potentially out there and sees, oh, my God, this building was sold out and the entire country motivated to support a team. You're suddenly a lot more interested in investing in the WNBA. I, I just would have to think that. And 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 so I guess. And you touched on it. Isabel touched on it as well. When you have the commissioner of the WNBA throwing cold water on the idea instead of being her own Leeds hype woman, do you think that serves the best interest of the W? Of course not. I mean, there can't be this balance. (laughs) I don't think there can be a balance of being realistic. And also, I mean, I think there really just needs to be we are going full force with this. And hyping up the league as much as you can. I mean, that's kind of your responsibility as the spokesperson of the league. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, there shouldn't be any cold water thrown on this. I think that the enthusiasm, even talking with, again, the ambassador, you just said that the WNBA wants to go become like this international global brand. So the way to do that is to expand Canada. And that wasn't really something that was really talked about as much during the commissioner's press conference as well. Like I know that they like, they touched a little bit about like how the fan base has increased since they mentioned there being like the, the, their mention of uh, potentially expanding to Toronto, but yeah, no, I mean, I'm with you on that, Howard. I mean, I think when you have an event like this, you want to continue to be able to carry that momentum into the next event, which Honestly, this should be something that continues on year after year if you want to, again, become a global brand. And yeah, that totally makes sense to me. Well, it's going to be very interesting to see. And I'm obviously looking forward to what is to come. But bottom line, when you think of the order in which these current markets are potentially available do you see anywhere that should be ahead of Toronto at this point? That's so tough. I mean, the Bay Area, I feel like has really, in my mind, has always been the number one target, just given how the 
that fan base that already exists there um, and how I think about there's a lot of parallels to what Toronto has and what the Bay Area has with, again, these recent championships, one on the NBA level where basket, it's a basketball city now. Um, and it, I mean, it always kind of has been, but at the same time, like now, like the hype is there where you feel it throughout the city. Mm-hmm. But I really, like, I really did come away with this thinking, oh, the, there's, this is, there's no way that this fails if you were to bring a team to Toronto. Like the, like I was, I stayed pretty close to Scotiabank Arena and the people that were watching the NHL playoffs. Like I really thought like going into this whole thing that, that would be the sole focus of the weekend. The Toronto Maple Leafs were playing in a playoff game and there was a WNBA exhibition. Obviously one of those was going to be prioritized more. Mm -hmm. And throughout the entire city, all I saw was WNBA logos, people wearing Candace Parker jerseys and people going crazy at the idea of like Bridget Carlton, like just her presence in Toronto. I mean, I don't think that if you were, if you were to put a team in Toronto, in Toronto, that it would fail. Like I, yeah. I saw enough. Again, I'm not a business person, but I saw enough just being in that area for the weekend, and uh, it was it was special. And I think again, everyone's ready for it. There, there's a t- there was one person too that just said, "I've been waiting 15 years for there to be a team in Toronto," and I can't imagine that being something that I don't. I I just I can see that the fan base is a hundred percent ready for it. And it's just ready. For, the league needs to step up in that regard. Well, I, I can't wait to see it and it's going to be really interesting. I am hopeful about it happening soon. So we're going to talk about the Chicago sky. Of course, the team uh, that was most, uh, most significant, I'm sure on your mind as they're getting ready for this WNBA season to come. First going to talk to you guys about a new sponsor here at lockdown women's basketball called Bird dogs. Bird dogs are a pair of pants that you can look better and feel great wearing. They're stretchy fabric, make your legs look great, and they're comfier than other shorts and pants. They give you the freedom to wear one pair of shorts and pants on the golf course, to a meeting, on a date. Oh, man, I've got to get my parents to sit so I can have another day with my wife. It's been too long. Or hanging out with friends. Uh, you know, Bert Kreischer wakes up at his lake house wearing bird dogs. He goes for a swim, smokes a cigar, grills burgers, and shows with his family all in the shorts he associates with summer, bird dogs. So go to birddogs.com slash LockedOnNBA, and when you enter promo code LockedOnNBA, they'll throw in a free custom bird dodge Yeti-style tumbler with every order. Again, that's birddogs.com slash LockedOnNBA, and the promo code is Locked on NBA. So, James, we're talking Chicago Sky basketball. It's a quiet offseason. I know not a lot of changes. Um, <laughs> do people typically are there, have reasonable expectations for 2023 to mirror 2022? I, I'm, I'm just going to take a big swig of water and look at um, you know, some of their offseason transactions. I, I'm sure I won't, I won't end in a spit take, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, that was, I would say they probably lost a couple of uh, a couple of stars, and you know, I'll say this, Howard, they've read the power rankings. <laughs> you know, they've wow. read all of the power rankings, and they're ready to prove that all, all of the you know everyone that's saying that this team's going to finish in tenth, they're ready to prove those people wrong. 
I even saw someone say that they end up in fourth, which, you know, I, I think that depending on Isabel Harrison's availability, which I think mm -hmm. there's some things that have come up over the last like 12 hours that might suggest that she might not be ready. But again, there's nothing concrete there. Right. Um, but I do think that if, again, they have that healthy front court, Howard, this team could actually surprise some people. So, but trust me, they've read the power rankings. They made sure everyone knew about that on media day. <laughs> it was very interesting to me to hear them say, you know, uh, well, the, these people, they just don't know basketball and it gives them an opportunity. Leaving aside that I, I, I have some questions about why it is worthwhile, necessary, you know, fill in the blank to turn the media into a foil. Uh, I don't know that that necessarily helps anyone, but clearly it's something the sky are very comfortable doing on a regular basis. You know, do you think there is a higher floor for this team than people are appreciating? And then just the same question. Do you think there is a higher ceiling? You know, I, that's what I'm trying to figure out when I'm looking into a season. I don't go in believing I know how a season's going to turn out. I've given up predicting the future ever since the plague came uh, unexpectedly a couple of years ago. But I do come in saying, all right, what's the delta? Right. And I'm just wondering whether you think both of those things are different from, let's say, where conventional wisdom seems to have landed. So this is just where I'm at with just the entire second tier of the WNBA. I think everyone's ceiling is high and everyone's ceiling is pretty low. I just, again, talking about the, the second tier of the WNBA, which I would say is the Connecticut Sun, Chicago, Dallas, Atlanta, um, I guess there's a couple of teams that I'm going to be missing just because I don't have the standings in front of me, but like outside of like Seattle and Indiana at the bottom in that third tier. And to me, Las Vegas, <laughs> New York and the Washington mystics in the top tier, mm -hmm. that middle tier, like there's going to be really good rosters that are just going to be left out of the playoffs just because of how loaded that second tier is. So when I look at Chicago, I could see them finishing as, again, depending on Isabel Harrison's availability. If she's healthy, I think they could finish anywhere as high as fourth to tenth. Like, I don't think that's crazy, just given how much talent is in the league right now. And they are trying to rebuild something here. I know they probably don't like that idea, the idea of rebuilding, just given that they've said that the goal is a championship. Mm -hmm. Like, they have no plan on losing. And if that's the case, like – it's just going to be hard. Like one of the things that was so great about the team last year is that they've had players that have played together before. And now they, there's a little bit of that history here, but at the same time, it is going to be difficult just given that James Wade has a really robust playbook. He's mm -hmm. um, and they're still learning to play together. It's not like they've had a chance to practice all that much. So I, and not to cop out here, but again, depending on the health of the front court, they could finish, I think, as high as fourth or as low as 10. That I, I don't think that's a cop-out at all, by the way. I think there is a lot of dynamic aspects to a bunch of these teams. I will take minor issue with the tiers only in the sense that I think Indiana is going to make the playoffs. I think Indiana is going to be the eight seed, and I think the uh, growth we're going to see from year one to year two out of a number of their rookies from last year, plus the fact that I just think – Aaliyah Boston is going to be an instant all-star. I think Aaliyah Boston, I, I covered her for four years at South Carolina. I never saw her in the wrong 
place. And when you think about, you know, where the biggest area of need is for a rookie to get better fast, it's being able to understand and internalize a defensive playbook, even more than an offensive playbook. And I just think Delia Boston's going to come in. You know, again, I liked, I make those NBA comparisons where I think it is most justified from a WNBA player. And I like to do it in reverse. I like to compare NBA players to WNBA players. Just sometimes I think that comp is closest. And I think Tim Duncan and yeah. in, the impact that Tim Duncan had in year one in San Antonio, took a lottery team into a 50-win scenario. Yes, it helped getting David Robinson back. But my point being that Aliyah Boston, I think, has that kind of impact. So just a brief Indiana fever segue. Freezing cold takes can use this if I'm wrong about Indiana. But that's I think you're right, though. Like, again, I would believe anything at this point. I think the people that are so like, oh, yeah, Dallas for sure is going to be the number six team. Like, I don't I don't feel strong about anything yet because, again, it is just such a deep league this year. And if Indiana ends up being one of those teams, like, heck, I don't see the Lynx being in that conversation. But Again, we've seen Cheryl do things that like not many people have done before. So, like, guess how do you what? Bet against Cheryl Reeve? How do you bet against Nafisa Collier coming in healthy and ready to be a star on that team? You know, Diamond Miller. Do you know what state Diamond Miller's from? Oh well, what's that, Howard? He's from New Jersey. How do you bet against Diamond Miller? <laughs> I mean, you just you can't do it in the same way, of course, that you've got yourself one of the Mabrys. The Mabrys, by the way, are. Um, let us say royalty here in New Jersey, the way Bridget Carlton is royalty in Canada. And so it, it is, it, it's, it's wide open and I am fascinated to see what comes of it. All right. Bottom line, before I let you go, you wrote a terrific piece this off season about Dana Evans. And I just wonder if you could take me through what you've seen from Dana this preseason and just how big a step forward do you think Dana's ready to take? Because I, she's somebody who I have my eyes on very much so as a key indicator for how far the Chicago Sky can go this year. M. Adler, who works with us at the Next Hoop, sent out a survey asking about award predictions. And I had Dana Evans as my clear most improved player. Um, Dana has clearly evolved in a way that the game is just it just looks so slow to her the way the even being up front within that Canada game mm -hmm. and I didn't take much from it again because there was some there were some pieces that weren't playing on both of those sides but the game just looks slower to her in a way that makes me think that she has just a really her career is just going to look great in the WNBA I think it's going to be a long one and it's, you don't say that a lot of, about a lot of second round picks, like the way that she has matured, the way that she's bulked up, Howard. Oh, my God. Like I walked up to her and I said, Dana, even before we get started, like, did you just live in the weight room this entire offseason? She's like, everyone keeps telling me this. Um, I mean, her shot looks as good as it's ever been. And the most important thing, though, is her in the pick and roll. I mean, the way that she's been able to navigate, like, you know, when teams go to hedge and she just is able to just like see over a defender and like find that person rolling in the basket. Like her pocket passes have just looked even crisper. That was something that when I talked with her back in December, she's like, I got to get better at that. And Howard through the first day of practice to what we saw in the preseason, it's just such a clean look and it's just her skill set is so refined. 
I think that's got to be she's got to be one of the X factors of the sky this season. I mean, I would say it's Elizabeth Williams, who I've got something coming up with her um, for the next as well. But um, Dana Evans, I mean, I think she's going to turn some heads and she I think she is the most most improved player of the year this year. I'm pretty high on her. It's really significant. You know, to me, Elizabeth Williams, like you just set your watch to what he's going to provide on the court day in and day out. And that's going to be huge for Chicago, where, like we said, in a time of so much change, you're going to need to have that stability, that continuity. Uh, but, yeah, what Dana Evans brings, her her dynamic playmaking. Oh, man, I can't wait for the season to start. Well, listen, James K., you must follow him at James underscore M underscore K, K-A-Y, that is, if you're listening rather than watching us on YouTube, make sure you follow. Um, if you're looking for a freelancer in the Chicago area, make sure you hire James as well, because he does such great work. And I cannot tell you in more enthusiastic terms how delighted I am to work with him every single day. James, can't wait to see all you're doing on the sky for us this season. Wishing you all the best and delighted you were here to join us. Hey, thank you so much, Howard. That really means a lot coming from a seasoned pro like you. And uh, yeah, no, looking forward to all the coverage I have coming for the next this year. It's, it's going to be great. Season pro is a nice way of James calling me an old. Make sure you tune in <laughs> tomorrow. We're going to have some conversations directly with some WNBA head coaches heading into the 2023 season. It is almost here, friends. It is coming on Friday. We are here with you six days a week at Lockdown Women's Basketball. We're with you 24-7-365 at thenetstoops.com. Until tomorrow, I'm Howard Magdal wishing all of you a wonderful Wednesday. Welcome to Wallet. You are Locked On Women's Basketball, your daily podcast on women's basketball. 